we have not come here to take prisoners, but to surrender ever more deeply to freedom and joy. We have not come into this exquisite world to hold ourselves hostage from love. Run, my dear, from anything that may not strengthen your precious budding wings. Run like hell, my dear, from anyone likely to put a sharp knife into the sacred, tender vision of your beautiful heart. We have a duty to befriend those aspects of obedience of our house and shout to our reason, oh please, oh please, come out and play. For we have not come here to take prisoners or to confine our wounded spirits, but to experience ever and ever more deeply our divine courage, freedom, and light. The following poem was written for President Obama's inauguration in 2009 and read by the poet on that day, Elizabeth Alexander. The title is Praise Song for the Day. Each day we go about our business, walking past each other, catching each other's eyes or not, about to speak or speaking. All about us is noise. All about us is noise and bramble, thorn and din, each one of our ancestors on our tongues. Someone is stitching up a hem, darning a hole in a uniform, patching a tire, repairing the things in need of repair. Someone is trying to make music somewhere with a pair of wooden spoons on an oil drum, with cello boombox, harmonica, voice. A woman and her son wait for the bus. A farmer considers the changing sky. A teacher says, take out your pencils, begin. We encounter each other in words, words spiny or smooth, whispered or declaimed, words to consider, Reconsider. We cross dirt roads and highways that mark the will of someone and then others who said, I need to see what's on the other side. I know there's something better down the road. We need to find a place where we are safe. We walk into that which we cannot yet see. Say it plain that many have died for this day, sing the names of the dead who brought us here, who laid the train tracks, raised the bridges, picked the cotton and the lettuce, built brick by brick the glittering edifices that they would keep clean and work inside of. Praise song for struggle. Praise song for the day. Praise song for every hand-lettered sign, every figuring it out at kitchen tables. Some live by love thy neighbor as thyself, others by first do no harm or take no more than you need. 
What if the mightiest word is love? Love beyond marital, filial, national. Love that casts a widening pool of light. Love with no need to preempt grievance. In today's sharp sparkle, this winter air, anything can be made, any sentence begun. On the brink, on the brim, on the cusp, praise song for walking forward in that light. The place that you are called to, writes Presbyterian minister Frederick Beekner, is the place where your deep gladness meets the world's deep hunger. And today we're talking about how we as a church find that sweet spot where those two things overlap. There's a lot of ways to find that place and a lot of answers. We each have our own And today's readings offer up possibilities. John Daniel, a contemporary white American poet from Oregon, offers this. May we spend generously the time we are given. May we enact our responsibilities as thoroughly as we enjoy our pleasures. Hafez's words cross time and space and culture from 14th century Persia to tell us We have not come here to take prisoners or to confine our wounded spirits, but to experience ever and ever more deeply our divine courage, freedom, and light. And Elizabeth Alexander reminds us that some live by love thy neighbor as thyself, others by first do no harm or take no more than you need. And so today we are starting a process to find where the deep gladness of people's church, and I have seen you all in the moments of deep gladness, meets the world's deep hunger. I've also seen you in those moments. What is our mission? What is people's church here for? What is life calling us to be? What is our purpose? And the answers won't become clear by the time this sermon is over. We're just starting this conversation. And this question is largely all of yours to answer. In our church and in our tradition, you all are the highest authority. It is the members of the congregation acting together who elect the board, who call ministers, who make all of the important decisions that are made here. You are the ones who set the course and the direction for the church. And it is my job to help make those directions and those dreams real. It is time for People's Church to create new mission and vision statements to reimagine what we are here to do. This is not any slight on our current ones. And I know some of you gathered here worked hard to make those happen. These sorts of texts 
have a really short shelf life. They're not like our bond of union that we've been reciting with small adjustments since the 1890s. These sorts of texts expire really quickly. The best practice is for mission-driven organizations to have new mission statements every five to seven years. We need to constantly re-engage the question, what is life calling us to be? Where is the world's hunger and where is our deep gladness? And from those conversations, new mission and vision emerge, and then those are written down as the statements. And in our case, there's been a lot of changes in the church and in the wider world since you all last did this. Many new people have joined this community, including me, and everyone has brought with them new hopes and dreams of what this place could be. And the people who've been here throughout are also growing and changing and having new ideas about how we might be as a church. And the world beyond these walls is changing too. What does Kalamazoo and the wider world need from us? What do we have to offer? So it is time to set our path so we can move with clarity and intention as we create meaning and connection within these walls and act for justice beyond them. It is time to build on everything that has brought us to this moment, your generosity and dedication, commitment and courage of all of the generations down to us who, in the words of the poet, laid the train tracks, raised the bridges, picked the cotton and lettuce, built brick by brick the glittering edifices that would then keep clean and work inside of. We are the grateful heirs of all that came before, who founded our church, who gathered together in search of meaning and connection, the people who kept the church going through conflicts and crises, who taught religious education and sang hymns and stayed at meetings till the very end to make sure everything was discussed, decided, and done. We cross dirt roads and highways that mark the will of someone and then others who said, I need to see what's on the other side. So many have brought us to this moment and so many have made the path smooth beneath our feet and it is our inheritance and obligation to be faithful stewards of this community and to draw on our past strengths to chart a course forward. It is our privilege and our obligation to name our goals and aspirations for the next several years and do our very best to keep our metaphorical Jeep out of the ruts on the road and the mud puddles and away from trees. So it is time to renew our mission and vision. And this matters because mission and vision are our roadmap and our guide. Having a mission and vision that we are committed to and inspired by allows us to orient ourselves, measure our accomplishments, explain ourselves to those around us, and determine what sort of ministries and programs are worthy of our precious resources. If the sheep in the Jeep from our story had a clear, inspiring mission, a well-laid-out plan, they might not have lurched from crisis to crisis to crisis, squandering resources and relationships. And we are all the driver sheep here, and we can't forget to steer. We all need to know where we're going, and having a mission and vision gives greater purpose to what we're doing here.
Mission and vision are vital to my work as a minister and to all of the ministries and programs here. A fellow Unitarian Universalist minister tells this story. When my congregation was in search for a new minister, they conducted a, work, a workshop on welcoming their new settled minister with a, with a staff person from the Unitarian Universalist Association. And when she asked, what is the minister's primary job? First there was a pause. And someone said, to make us happy? <laughs> I'm glad you're laughing. <laughs> and someone else said, to serve our needs? And the UUA staff person replied, guess what? The minister's job is not to make you happy. The minister's job is to serve the mission of the church. So that's why we need a good mission. So I know what I'm doing here. And it's not just my job. It's all of our jobs, all of our programs and ministries. Religious education, social and environmental justice, welcoming, welcoming new members, our music program, worship, pastoral care, and everything else is in service of the mission. And if we have a mission that is worth serving, those of us who serve it will have the happiness and our needs met along the way. So it is vital for us to have an inspiring and engaging mission. And how are we going to get there from here? What's the roadmap to creating the roadmap? We're going to have workshops where you'll get to share with one another about the strengths of the congregation and the dreams you have for its future. A team of facilitators have volunteered to lead these just over an hour long workshops. And I led a workshop to train the facilitators last month. And it was probably the most inspiring thing I did all last month. It was great. We told the stories of the best moments we've had at the church and then got to dream wildly about what we might accomplish in the next five to ten years. You are going to leave the workshops feeling inspired and knowing one another better. So please participate. The workshops will be happening in a variety of times and places beginning next weekend and continuing throughout the rest of January. So there's sign-up sheets on the table in the foyer, and we've already taken over the next meetings of the youth group, the young adult group, and the discussion group. So if you're part of those, just show up to the next meeting and you get to do that. It will be good, I promise you. And please attend, because your stories and your dreams are vital to this process. We want as wide a participation as we can manage to have a vision and a mission that reflects everyone's hopes and dreams. And after the workshops, notes from, from each of them will be given to our writing team that we've assembled from some of the poets among us to distill and refine all of your ideas into short inspiring phrases. The mission statement will be short and inspiring and the vision will give a more fleshed out picture of where we hope to go as a community. The mission statement will be able to fit on t-shirts or bumper stickers or maybe even in a single tweet. And more importantly, it will be short and inspiring and live in our hearts and guide us as we do this work over the next several years. And then we'll do this whole thing over again. So the plan is that our writing team will have something to present to the congregation in April. 
and they will welcome your feedback and probably make some edits and then present mission and vision statements for approval in time for our May meeting, our annual meeting of the congregation. And once you all adopt it, it will guide all that we do here. So what might the mission be? And I have a few examples for you from other Unitarian Universalist congregations. Some of them live by these missions. Curiosity, courage, compassion. Inspiring and empowering all souls to live bold and compassionate lives. Create community, celebrate love, change the world. Where reason and wonder thrive. Unleash courageous love. And those are great missions. They tell you something, at least a little something about that church. And I know part of me and maybe part of you just wants to pick your favorite from that list and just be done with this whole process. Because that would save us some time. But the process matters just as much as the product. We need the time to take the time to reflect on where we've been as a congregation, what are our strengths, and how those strengths might carry us forward in the years to come. Sharing stories and dreams with one another matters, and reflecting together will let us create a mission that is rooted in who we are and where we are going. You can't do that with one off the shelf. We are unique, and what we will create will be different from what any other congregation would create. So please participate. You've heard that enough. Um, And as poet Elizabeth Alexander spoke on that January day, in today's sharp sparkle, this winter air, anything can be made, any sentence begun, on the brink, on the brim, on the cusp. Praise song for walking forward in that light. So on this brink, on this brim, brim and on this cusp. May we share our precious stories. May we share our precious hopes. And may we discover what life is calling us to be. May it be so. May we make it so. And amen. And today, your chance to begin making it so starts right now. So, I'm just going to give you a little taste of the first question we'll be doing at the Mission and Vision Workshops. And so I invite you to turn to a couple of neighbors and respond to this prompt. Tell the story of a time when you experienced inspiration, compassion, or connection at People's Church. And I know for some of you, this is your first Sunday with us or one of your first Sundays. And you might not have that story yet, And that's fine. So I invite you to listen. And I invite those around you to invite you into listening so they can hear how this church matters in people's lives and how it might matter in yours. So you have about five minutes. And when the piano starts, it's time to sing again, okay? (laughs) Have fun. (laughs) 